All right, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. Now, there's been some pushback, um, and, and they've had to revisit Joe Biden. He's done a hell of a job. Even, I think it was what, Caitlin Collins, uh, fake news CNN, said, really, hell of a job? Seriously, Joe? Uh, you sure about that? And then Joe actually said, well, I wasn't saying about this thing, about the sexual harassment. I was, and she said, no, you didn't. She was right. Joe was wrong. Then you had Circleback, that's her job, Circleback Jen Psaki, trying to clarify his comments that, that Andrew Cuomo did a hell of a job with her saying, well, you, you can't separate personal behavior from other work. And, and then Psaki tweets, at POTUS responded to a specific question today about New York Governor Cuomo uh, and his work on infrastructure. He also made it clear it was right for him to step down, reiterated his uh, support for women that come forward and made clear that you can separate personal behavior from other work. Oh, does that mean we can now talk to Lucy Flores and Tara Reid uh, and others that have said they felt that Joe's creepy too? I'm just wondering. Here's what uh, Biden had said. How would you assess his 10 and a half years as governor of the state? In terms of his personal behavior or what he's done as a governor? What he's done as a governor. I thought he's done a hell of a job. I thought he's done a hell of a job. And, uh, I mean, both on everything from access to voting to infrastructure to a whole range of things. That's why it's so sad. Can you really say that he has done, quote, hell of a job if he's accused of sexually harassing women? Look, you asked two different questions. The question is, did he do a good job on infrastructure? That was the question. He did. No, the question was, correct me if I'm wrong. Well, how was he as a governor general? Well, the governor generally, obviously. Outside of his personal behavior. Outside of his personal behavior. Okay. Can you separate the two? No, I'm not. I was asked a specific question. All right, here to weigh in on this, other issues. We have uh, Derek Hunter, host, Derek Hunter podcast, author of the book Outrage. uh, And. It's about how the liberal mob ruined science and journalism. That's pretty obvious, by the way. Carol Roth back with us, also an entrepreneur, host of her own podcast, The Roth Effect, author of The War on Small Business. Uh, a lot of news on the economy we want to get into with Carol today. Derek, what's your reaction to Joe's walk back? Of, he did a hell of a job. Well, thanks for having me, Sean. It's, it's hilarious. It's like saying, you know, Charlie Manson ran a really tight commune. And it was a really wonderful place if you just look past the Kate LoBianco murders. <laughs> you know, I wish you know certain analogies people come up with, and I'm like, damn, why didn't I think of that? That's you know, it, he he really didn't do a hell of a job either, just to be blunt. But putting that aside, um, oh. and and I, I thought, that, look, I even thought gave props to Caitlin Collins for following up, saying, "Excuse me, what did you say?" Uh, no, you, and, you gotta give CNN. She's probably going to have some awkward moments around the water cooler for the next couple of days because she dared accidentally, but still do some random journalism, and that's not allowed over at CNN. <laughs> random journalism, a rare moment of objectivity. Okay, uh, not bad either. Uh, Carol, your tick. <laughs> well, first, the most important question, Sean, is: Does he get to keep the Emmy? That's the the one thing on everybody's mind he, for this hell of a job that he did. Does he get to keep that at the end of the day? 
I think he did do a hell of a job, but hell is not a good word in my opinion. <laughs> when you think about killing thousands of elderly by edict, when you think about covering that up, when you think about murdering thousands of small businesses, that's a hell of a job and one that people should have been at his throat for, but he got a pass. He got to write a leadership book. He got that Emmy, and now you can do all of that and have no accountability, but now this is the thing that brings him down. That is so incredibly outrageous, um, and in my opinion, as I said, a hell of a job. If, if we have equal justice and equal application of laws, this is the beginning, not the end. The problem is, Derek, is I don't believe that exists any longer in America. Uh, I can give you example after example. My audience is well-versed in it because I've said it so often, but I sadly say that this country does not apply laws equally. The most obvious example would be Roger Stone lying to Congress, process crime, 30 guys, tactical gear, pre-dawn raid, guns drawn, CNN fake news cameras just happened to be there over lying to Congress. And then the referral of Michael Horowitz, the inspector general, his report and referrals for top FBI officials, not rank and file, top officials lying to Congress. Uh, no pre-dawn raids, no guns drawn, no fake news, CNN cameras for anybody. They get big contracts, book deals and TV deals. Well, you know, it, it, uh, don't you remember the early morning raid of Eric Holder's house on his charge of contempt of Congress? Oh, yeah, right. That didn't happen. He laughs about that. It's it's different when Democrats do it. That D in the parentheses after their name, Sean, isn't really a D. If you look at it under a jeweler's loop, it's a shield, and it protects them from everything and anything. It is, I would say they're double standards, but can you have double standards when one set has standards and the other side has no standards? That's the way that the Democrats rule. This is the way that societies have collapsed. It is rules for you and not for me and sadly 50 percent of the american public seems to be okay with that we're sitting around what year five of the durham report we're waiting on that thing and we're sitting there going we still hold out hope for justice i i i don't hold out hope for justice because the people who decide what justice is aren't interested in anything other than making sure that their friends are taken care of and that their Saturday night cocktail reception invitations are in the mail in time. Well said. Carol, your 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 wheelhouse is the economy. Let me let me run some things by you. Because we now have six hundred billion already spent new Green Deal down payments. Then you got this idiotic Republicans can be so feckless, weak, visionless, and, and just willing dupes at times, uh dumb to go along with the one point two trillion non-infrastructure uh, infrastructure bill, the bipartisan bill, uh, and Chuck Schumer was very clear. He's following it up with the $3.5 trillion. Now, you know, now we're getting close to $5 trillion in new Green Deal down payments. And, you know, in the long run, what, what do we see as a result of these policies? The, the highest inflation we've seen in 15 years. You know, if you want to rent a car, you're paying 73% more. Gas is up. Uh, you know, now about a buck thirty a gallon nationwide. Uh, that costs more for everything that's delivered to every store, every product we buy in every grocery store, every Home Depot, every Lowe's, every Rite Aid, every CVS, Walgreens, etc. Uh, we now know that 
Hotel prices are way up. Used car prices are through the roof. You can't even get a new car in many cases because they can't get the parts because people are still being paid monies for not working. Uh, add to that the higher cost for meat moving. Uh, if you want to buy any appliances, uh, even clothing, utilities, uh, we're paying more for everything that you buy. Uh, that's called inflation, and it's only going to get worse, and gas prices are only going to get higher. And now they sneak in a mileage tax test. Well, that's going to raise prices on on people on every American for everything. But they're telling us that if you don't make over four hundred thousand dollars a year, you're not getting a tax increase. That's not true. Yeah, I mean that's what they always say, right? That, that we're going to tax the rich, but if you took all of the money that the rich had and you you took it away from them, that would fund the government for like a handful of months, let alone this new spending. And this is the central planning nightmare that we're living. The one piece that stood out to me in that very long laundry list that we could spend hours talking about is the gas piece. I mean, the U.S had vaulted into position where we were the leading oil producer. Then we have this wonderful administration coming out, canceling oil leases, killing a pipeline, and then putting out a piece today where they're begging the OPEC cartel to produce <laughs> more oil. I mean, it's like bizarro world. You can't, you can't make that up, can you? I mean, you, you really can't. I mean, it, it, it's... Like, it, it's so silly that it seems like it's almost satire, but we're living in this and we're living uh, in the reality. And I think that's so frustrating. It goes back to what Derek was saying before, is that there is no principles, there is no standards, there's just a lot of emotion and a lot of rhetoric, and at the end of the day, there are real consequences to these policies, and unfortunately for the American people, it is interfering with wealth creation opportunities, it is devaluing every dollar that you make, and it is making the people inside the club more powerful and more rich, and that's not a good thing for economic freedom. Yeah, I'll add one point to that, Derek, and I, I keep saying, well, they raise prices on these evil corporations. Those evil corporations aren't evil, number one. They provide the goods and services we all want, need, and desire. Number two, they, they hire a lot of people to provide them and produce them. And number three, everything that they sell is going to cost more, and that cost will be passed on to we, the consumer, and will probably impact their workforce uh, that won't get raises to keep up with inflation or benefits to keep up with the things that they want and need. And so, uh, in fact, that tax is really a tax on everybody, isn't it? Well, you're right. It's economics 101. It's just a shame that the people charged with handling our economy haven't taken an introduction to economics class. When, I, when this bill becomes law, if it does, I suggest everybody go down to the Treasury building, and they're going to be printing so much money that it's going to be flying out the windows. Now, you should grab it, not because it will have any value at that point, but because you won't be able to afford toilet paper. So you might as well get it for free from the government, since that's what they're doing with our money, with our currency. They are inviting inflation. They are daring inflation to come out. It's like doing a seance for the ghost of Jimmy Carter, except Jimmy Carter is still with us. And Jimmy Carter should be screaming from the top of his lungs, what are you doing? Some Democrats, somewhere, there are half the Congress full of Democrats. Somebody should be sounding the alarm, or at least a cautionary tale, going, wait a second here, you guys don't, you're conflating wealth 
with income. You're demonizing the wealthy here, but you're really going to end up hurting small businesses when you talk about and uh, when you talk about raising taxes on the wealthy. And just somebody for once define what fair share is, because Sean, you've been around, and Carol, you've been around. For 20 years, we've seen Democrats, when they talk about taxes, we have to get the wealthy to pay more, to pay their fair share. And then the taxes on the wealthy go up. And two minutes later, they're back. We need to raise taxes on the wealthy so they pay their fair share. What is fair share? Is this just code for more? I think it is. And it would be nice to get a definitive answer on that so we know what we're dealing with. But instead, we're like shadow boxing against Jello. I don't know what's going on here. And we don't have an honest media to hold them to account when you know that the referees are wearing your uniform under their suits, you can get away with this. All right, quick break. We'll come back more with uh, Derek Connor and and, uh, Carol Roth on the other side. Then your call's coming up, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? we got a great Hannity, 9 Eastern, tonight as we continue. All right, we continue. Derek Connor, Carol Roth are with us. Let me give you the breakdown because I have it. And and it was a great analysis in the New York Post today about it. If you make sixty grand a year, I don't think that would, by any measure, say mean that you're rich. You're, you're probably gulping water. Um, okay, but you, now as a result of inflation only, you're paying. You, you got a pay cut of more than three grand. That's how much annual value your income of sixty thousand has declined thanks to skyrocketing inflation. Let's say you make a hundred grand a year. Okay, your pay cut is $5,400 annually. If you're a married couple, okay, teacher, police officer, fireman, whatever, you make a combined total of, let's say, 150 grand. The Biden inflation crisis just cost you a whopping $8,100. Okay, say goodbye to your family vacation this year, or maybe you can cut back on Christmas for the kids, uh, but, and maybe you can turn in your car for a piece of junk. But um, and and maybe you'll end up taking a second job as a result of all of this, Carol. Yeah, I mean, those and those numbers are underreported because of the way that they calculate inflation. They do everything they can to make it look as low as it possibly is. So the real effect is even more than that. And when you go back, you know, to this fair share discussion, the top one percent of earners in this country pay more in taxes than the entire bottom ninety percent combined, which is more than a half a trillion dollars a year. So these are real numbers. The, the government before COVID, so before we had all this relief spending, before we had all of this new spending that's coming out at all levels, federal, state, and local, was spending $8.1 trillion a year. That's four times the GDP of Canada. Like, at what point is enough enough? At what point are we going to say, we have a hybrid democratic socialist economy, and we need to pare back what the government is doing, these central planners, and give that power and that wealth back to the individuals, because all it's doing is putting up barriers to their wealth creation opportunities. Well, you know what? You guys have nailed it. Great job. Uh, Derek, thank you. Carol, thank you. We appreciate you guys taking time to be with us. 800-941-SEAN is our number. We'll get to your calls next half hour. 800-941-SEAN, our number. We'll tell you about Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern on Fox. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Is it possible on question one in the United Socialist Utopia, as known as California, that they recall Gavin Newsom? I In the beginning, I thought it was totally, completely, utterly, eh, 
I don't think it's going to happen. But now I'm beginning to believe so I have, that there's a window of belief opening because only 40% of Californians are, are saying that they, they want Gavin Newsom to really stay and they're going to fight for Newsom. Not a lot of passion to keep Gavin Newsom. And Gavin Newsom obviously is getting nervous. You know, he said over the weekend he was he asked about it. He said, if, if this happens, it'll be a disaster for California and it'll have ramifications around the country. In other words, please send me as much money as you have. I don't care where you live. That's how I interpreted that. Here's a little bit of, of Gavin defending his tenure. Now, he's not going to talk about, well, the fact that he's ignored his own COVID restrictions that he put on the people of California. He's not going to explain away why his own kids had in-person learning the entire year last year while everyone else's kids in California uh, did not have in-person learning opportunities. He's certainly not going to explain all the other COVID hypocrisy that he's had. Uh, he's in fancy restaurants uh, while other fancy restaurants are going broke and closing and people can't work. He's not going to explain why he has the highest state income tax in the entire country. New York quick to follow, though, and, and dying to catch up. Uh, but here's him. You can tell this beginning is a real palpable fear emerging. Listen. In a, very, in a very real sense, the California dream is more like a mirage for people grinding it out day after day. How do you make the case that you, as governor, can deliver the California dream to all Californians? Well, let's talk about what we all saw number one in, Stephanie. And guys, forgive me, I, I know I'm a little pointed today, but I've been taking a lot from a few folks for a lot of months. So it's nice to be able to express myself, too. But I do it with deep pride in this state as a Californian, not as a, I'm a future ex-governor. It could happen in a few weeks, could happen in a few years. I love this damn state. We're number one in job creation, 10th pole of the American economy, 559,000 jobs. Eat your heart out, Texas, Florida. We're number one in the Bloomberg Index of innovation and entrepreneurialism. We dominated yet again in venture capital. And that's not just for fancy folks in Silicon Valley. That's pushing out the boundary to discovery and opportunity, innovation that advantages each and every one of us. 53% of the nation's venture capital. Over 100 damn IPOs year to date in this state. 80 plus billion dollar budget surplus, 80 plus billion, not that 76 billion. We had another $3.9 billion in new cash. We had better health outcomes in Florida and Texas and better economic outcomes. Our economy contracted at a more modest rate than Florida and Texas. Do you know, Stephanie, that middle-class families in Texas pay more taxes than middle-class uh, Californians? Look that up, that's a fact. I don't know why that doesn't get more damn attention. Because I care about working not folks. True. Let me let me add a couple That's of a things fact. here. For the first time in 171 years, people are voting with their feet, Governor. They're leaving. First time in 171 years, California's lost population and not gained population. If it's so great as you say, why aren't you gaining in population? You're not addressing the highest state income tax in the entire nation. You're not expressing that uh, 50 billion of the dollars you're talking about came from red states that are fiscally responsible, that fund their own pensions and balance their own budgets because the people in those states voted for uh, politicians that really are fiscally conservative and live within their means. You never mentioned the fact you can talk about Florida and Texas all you want, but 
There is a reason if you rent a U-Haul out of California to move to Texas, as so many of your former residents have done, uh, it costs about 2500 bucks. But if you're in Texas and you want to drive a U-Haul and take it to California, you're going to get a cut rate, three, 400 bucks for the exact same trip. Why? Because you're doing U-Haul a favor. Because so many people are leaving your, your wonderful state that it's number one in everything, according to you, in droves. Number one in taxes, you forgot that part. Number one in leading the country with population leaving your state, that's forgot that part too. Number one in hypocrisy, and that's led by you. You're number one in areas you forgot to mention in that little interview. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Ralph, Virginia uh, is next on the Sean Hannity Show. What's going on? Hello, Sean. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm a first-time caller. Uh, first, I'd like to thank your screener. She was very polite. Um, uh, I, I, I have excited. the greatest team in radio and the greatest team in television. I'm very blessed. Thank you. Um, That's Katie. By the way, Katie Katie. loves being on the air with us. She's overcome her fear. She used to be afraid of it. And on day one, I said I was going to do it every day for for three months. And she said on day one, I'm really cured. I feel better right now. Right, Katie? Oh, she was very good to me. Um, Getting off of politics. Thank you. All I hear is politics. Yesterday, you talked about Tamara uh, Mesha's um, stock is her name. Mensa stock, yeah. And... um, that inspired me to call you. I've been listening to you for I don't know how many years. I grew up with Rush. I grew up with the Black Avenger and wow. um, the other gentleman, um, G. Gordon Liddy. But, uh, and I never called any of them. But this lady inspired me last week. I heard her interview during the Olympics, and it just put me into tears that somebody loves their country that much. And loves their family that much and loves their God that much. And she puts her family ahead of her. And she gave her mother all that money to start her business. And you said, I wish it was something we could do for her. And is it possible to start a GoFundMe page for her? Well, Linda and I have been kicking around an idea. Linda, what did you come up Where are we on that now? You know, I've been thinking about it, too, and, and trying to find out how we can do something really awesome for other patriots. Let me yeah, fill in a gap or two, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not cutting you off. I want to bring our audience, though, up to speed, if you don't mind, Ralph, and then I'll go right back to you, I promise. Um, now, Tamara uh, Mensa-Stock won the women's gold in, in wrestling. And anyway, this is what she said after she won gold. Question for you. That American flag around your shoulders looks pretty good. How does that feel to represent your country like this? It feels amazing. I love representing the U.S. I freaking love living there. I love it, and I'm so happy I get to represent U.S.A. <laughs> love it. Looks well, <laughs> by the grace of God, I'm able to even move my feet. Like, I just leave it in his hands, and I pray that all the practice, that the hell that my freaking coaches put me through pays off. And every single time it does. What does this mean for the popularity of the sport and for all the young girls out there that are going to see you and feel inspiration? It means that they see someone like themselves on that podium, someone like Helen on that podium, showing them just because you're a female, it doesn't mean you can't accomplish the biggest of goals. And the being an Olympic champ is one of the hardest things I have ever done in my entire life. 
Now she took. I didn't. I didn't even know that they you won money, but she won thirty-seven thousand five hundred dollars. And Ralph is a hundred percent right from Virginia in saying that he gave that money to her mother and promised her mom that she wanted her to fulfill her dream of owning a food truck, and gave all the money to her mom. What a what a beautiful soul. What a great American. What an inspiration. Take it away, Ralph. Well, like I said. The last few Olympics, I've been down. Baseball, I've been down. Football, I'm down now. Basketball is completely out. I mean, there's no love for the country anymore. And uh, this girl inspired me that there are athletes out there that still love this country. I, you know, I find, like you, and I'm not a boycott supporter, I've, I've not been watching the Olympics. This, to me, is the moment... And I've gotten to watch it a few times because I find it so inspiring. Um, just like with the NHL playoffs, uh, when the Stanley Cup playoffs were going on, the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning and others, you know, the crowd singing the national anthem. I played it many times. And, you know, and then I watch politics now destroying athletic events. It's, you know, it's sad. You see ratings down for the Olympics by 45%. They're down dramatically in the NBA, Major League Baseball, lowest all-star ratings they've ever had. Uh, you see ratings declines everywhere in every sport. NFL, same thing. Major League Baseball, NBA. And, uh, you know, I just, my interest is waned. And I know even some colleges now are getting into the, the social justice thing. And I think we ought to let sports be the naturally unifying event that it is and stop adding politics to it because it's not helping the athletes. It's not helping people unite. You have people in the stands. They have shared passion of the sport and of a, a, of a home team. And and now we're, we're bringing politics into it. And unfortunately, I think in the NFL in particular, now, now they're doubling and tripling down on it. And I don't think it's going to have good results for the NFL. And I think ultimately the athletes are going to pay a very big price in the, all of this. Rights fees for television will go way down. Salaries will go way down. Attendance will go way down. It's sad. And, and it's, it's all about politics. And it's dividing the country. It, it's, it's, it's just sad to me. Anyway, Ralph in Virginia, thank you. Uh, 800 941 Good observation. It'd be cool to do something nice for her if we can. We'll, we'll think of something. We always do. Um, let's go to Janet, South Carolina. What's up, Janet? How are you? Glad you called. I'm going to right here. Janet, are you there? Hello, Janet. <laughs> All right, let's go to, uh, let us say hi to Sandra's in Michigan. What's up, Sandra? How are you? Where in Michigan are you? Yeah, I'm in like a um, suburb outside Detroit, and you're talking about a lot of the stuff that's happening with the coronavirus, but I don't know if you're aware of what's happening in Michigan with our pets. Our veterinarians are completely um, booked. People are losing their pets, their dogs, their cats are dying. You can't get in to see vets because nobody's working. I had a guinea pig die in my arms because the veterinarian refused to receive me. The emergency vets are completely filled to capacity. We had to take our dog to the middle of the state in Lansing, which is an hour and a half for an emergency ultrasound because the next ultrasound wasn't until October. Um, this is all under Governor um, Whitmer's um, <clears throat> watch. That's what we call her here. She's not Governor Whitmer. And I'm just really terrified what's happening in Michigan, and I don't think anybody's knowing on what's going on with that right now in our state. 
I never heard about that. You know, I, look, with the handling of COVID, if I had to pick off the top of my head the worst states and how they were handled, starts in New York, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. That's why listening to the New Jersey governor, you know, lecture people. I'm like, really? Look at look at your idiotic nursing home executive order. You followed Cuomo. Uh, governor Wolf followed Cuomo. Witless Whitmerk followed Cuomo. I mean, honestly, it's it's just sad. I didn't I've not heard this about dogs and cats and vets. That's new to me. Um, but it's sad because, you know, look, if you own an animal and I've had many in my life, they're, they're members of your family. You love you know, it's it's kind of funny. There's no amount of money anybody that I know would wouldn't pay to to help save a dog or a cat that they love. Just that you just now sometimes the the vet will be very clear. It's just it's it's you're not going to be able to save this animal. And I don't know anybody that has a heart that, that has had to live through um, putting down an animal and not just being torn up about it because it's that that's how important they are to us in our lives. I mean, honestly, that's why I'm hesitant to get a new one at this point in my life. It just it's too painful. Um, the whole process is painful in the end. And I'm sure I probably will because I love them so much. But, you know, that's sad to hear. I'm not a big guinea pig fan either, by the way. Uh, how old was your <laughs> guinea pig? My guinea pig was only a year. And then I had a rabbit last year. I had to euthanize in the parking lot because we're not allowed into the veterinarian. So we had oh, to put a rabbit grief. down in the parking lot in front of the Drake's restaurant. While everybody was watching me cry my eyes out. So, yeah, oh, that's what's happening up that's here. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. That's heartbreaking. So, what, they, they came out in the parking lot and euthanized your guinea pig? No, the guinea pig died in my arms. They came out to the parking lot and euthanized the rabbit, yeah. Oh, for the rabbit, yeah. Yeah, and people are waiting like eight hours look, to I'm triage not... your pet. Wait eight hours to get in. It's terrible. Look, it's, it's awful. I mean, it's so sad what you're describing. That's, 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 that's new to me. I thought I heard it all. Sandra, I'm very sorry. That's hard to live through. 800-941-SEAN, our number. You want to be a part of the program. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. I'm really excited tonight that we have Tamara Mensah-Stock, the Olympic gold medalist on. That's going to, I can't wait to meet her. Anyway, Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, uh, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, Sarah Sanders, Leo 2.0, Ari Fleischer. News you'll never get from the mob. All happening 9 Eastern. Hannity tonight on the Fox News Channel. We'll see you then. Thanks for being with us. Back here tomorrow. And we know you make the show possible. We never forget it.